Uh, welcome to Crate Iron Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Fiora. I'm here with Ty the Wood Underwood. Yeah. Um, so on this podcast, we try to uh, get people's story out there, um, transformations, just hardworking motherfuckers, just uh, your roughnecks of the world. Um, and Ty is actually going to be my new co-host. And we also have our very astonishing, extraordinaire electronician, Christoph. El Christoph. El Christoph. Hi, Christoph. How are you? That's great. So, anyways, so, uh, Ty, let's hear about yourself. All right. Um, well, I was born in Indio, California. Uh, that's in Riverside County, as you don't know. Um, when I was born, I was a baby. I could not walk or talk. Through observation <laughs> alone, I was able to build speech and the ability to walk. Um, finger dexterity was built up. Just simple eating Cheerios, that kind of thing. Yeah. Did you did you get the um, numbered? Where you have the soup? You put soup? the no, I, no, I didn't soup it. No. I just cheer up and built finger dexterity. And then once I could live long and prosper, I was like, I got that. And I moved on with my life. Yeah, That's pretty good. Live long and prosper. Man. Right. Then it's good, right? Okay, I agree. Some, Some people can't even do that now. Live long and prosper, right? Valid. Hey, Delgadillo, if you're watching, you can't do that. I know that. No. No, no we've tested this theory. Yeah. Can you live long and prosper? <laughs> okay, yeah. That's, Roundabout way. Anyways, little, yeah, little no, I think I think I hit it on on point. That's slang. That's slang, That's slang, slang for prosper. for fuck you, Chris. Uh, no, I was born in Indio, California. Uh, it's a uh, predominantly Hispanic area. So, um, you know, I grew up in the '80s. A lot of people, they, crack was a big deal then. So a lot of people were on drugs, that kind of thing. Uh, my mother's no exception to that. Um, she was actually like a drug mule for the local uh, drug mm. network there. So that was a thing. Um, so grew up in kind of an unstable household there for a bit. Um, had a lot of uh, other kids that were there too. Um, you know, obviously there's other families, whatever. Crack houses tend to have more than one, you know, family type staying in there. Um, so we all kind of just, you know, kid-wise counted on each other. Um uh, let's see, where do I go from there? So, interesting enough, so, what, the, these people who are just like kids my age would end up becoming my family because my dad would marry my mom, whatever, and that was a, how do I say that? Okay, so my mom's best friend, um, her brother, my mom would marry her, like, marry him in four years, whatever. Uh, so, we, we all just kind of grew up together, or whatever, like I said, they end up getting married. Um, it, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm very thankful for it. I don't look down on my mom. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's a, It's a rough time for everyone. They didn't know what they were getting into. They thought they were smoking crack and having fun. Turns out uh, you can get addicted to that, that kind of thing. Uh, so, But like I said, I kind of grew up in this unsafe place where we, you know, all of us kids kind of band together, took care of each other. The older ones fed us, and, you know, I kind of took on this protective role. Uh so we'd have a lot of people coming in and out, obviously, right? Because there's no there's no time to not buy crack, right? <laughs> uh, so people coming in and out, feeling in that that unsafe environment. Um, so uh, Andy Patterson, the dude that would become my dad, um, I remember him. He used to 
when when I was you know younger, he he would come by and he was a lineman, so he'd be gone for like two or three months. But when he would come by, he would come to the house and he'd be there for like two weeks, two three weeks, because that's like how linemen work with their time off. Yeah, and he'd come by, stay at his sister's house, because you know what, he's not gonna pay for a place. He's gonna go on the road again. Uh, but I thought he was like awesome because he would come and he would just sleep on that couch right by the front door, and for two to three weeks straight. No matter what, when someone knocked on that door, he was up and he was pretty much like, if it was a dude, he's beating their ass saying, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Whatever. Um, and if it's a chick, you know, he's talking smack, making her leave. And he'd always kind of clean it up. So towards the end of the time that he would leave, like, people would stop knocking on the door. And it kind of felt like a little, all right, hey, we're, we're A little good. security, yeah, pretty much. We're good, you know what I mean? Um, and then he'd leave and, you know, slowly things would progress. It wasn't like now where you got phones and people know, like, hey, you know, we're good to go. Yeah. Uh, so it took him a little, you know, crackheads a little bit to catch on to the fact that he's gone. Um, but I definitely saw him whoop a lot of ass outside that, you know, on, on that front porch. Uh, just getting crackheads, not come by, that kind of thing. Uh, so a lot of respect for that. And then uh, he ended up starting dating my mom. Um, so this was, sorry, this was up. before uh, he was with your mom? He was doing that? Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it was it was actually his sister's house, my aunt Cheryl. Oh, I got you. Okay, okay so he would come and stay with her, and pretty much like he's looking after you know all the of family, kids, yeah. you know, and uh, me, me by extension because I'm a kid who happens to be there, that kind of thing. Uh, and then he would always bring these action movies over, so he put on like Jean Claude Van Damme movies for me, <laughs> shit like that, right? Steven Seagal, right? yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've seen like. I don't know if you've seen that kid on Facebook that does a Rocky thing, where he's, like, doing the Rocky workout with Rocky. Mm. You have no idea what I'm talking about? No. no? Okay, I'll, I'll show you guys. But, uh, yeah, so pretty much, like, the little Rocky montage, like, there's this little kid in a diaper, and he's sitting there doing, like, you know, you know, move for move what Rocky does. Well, I guess, like, he'd put it on, and then I used to do that, so, like, you know, like, that's kind of how we first bonded. He's like, oh, this kid's cool. Like, you know, I'm sitting okay, there doing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, John Claude Van Damme moves like kicks and he's like he's kind of yeah. into what I'm into. Yeah, yeah perfect. He's gonna grow up to be him, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that was cool. And then uh, him, my mom started dating, and um, you know they got pregnant, and uh, then he paid for our own house, right? So we moved into our own place, and that was the first time like I had a place that was mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but had I, your had your own room. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I shared. You know what I'm saying? I have two older sisters, but, like, so we shared and stuff. But uh, but it, it was just, like, I think crackheads aren't at the door. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, people aren't coming and going. The people that do come here, I know them. Uh, but it took a long time for me to, like, feel, feel safe. You know what I'm saying? So what I would do is when he would go out and, you know, he's going to work, he's gone for a couple months, every night when mom would be like, hey, it's bedtime, she'd turn off the lights. Uh, you know, house is shut down. So I took some yarn from my grandmother's house, and I'd watched Home Alone with the booby traps, right? Oh, shit. So, so what I would do is uh, just to, you know, feel safe, because I know I'm younger, and, like, being in, when, when I was in my Aunt Cheryl's house, I'd be like, all right, well, I don't, like, obviously I can't, I can't physically beat an adult in a fight, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm at a disadvantage. So my, my, my action plan for that was I'm going to get yarn, and I would rig it up down, like, legs and stuff, so people would trip. Right and uh, like all over the house, too. like there are spider webs by the doors, right? And uh, I'm like, all right, this way I know, like if if someone comes in the house, then I can hear them, and then like I can protect me and, and my family, whatever, because uh, I kind of took that role on. Uh, so funny enough, like when when he was in town and home, uh, 
if if he decided to like go out with his buddies and drink at the bar, like I'm in the same habit. Lights turned off. Like, all right, I'm doing it. So every night he he come home after a couple of drinks and he's tripping all over the house. God damn it, Ty! You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> falling all over. Uh, so that's that's a fun story he likes to tell me. But you know, whatever morning comes and I roll the yarn back up, put it under my pillow, and all right, we're we're good. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like through that consistency, then you know, started to live like kind of a more like whatever you would say normal conventional life. Yeah. Um, they both like knocked the drugs out, that kind of thing, and uh, oh, so that that like turned your mom around and everything. Yeah, and I, I won't say that you know that my dad was an angel. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, but when he would when he would do shit like that, like he wouldn't come home. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So if he came back from his thing and he wants to whatever do what he's gonna do, then like he'd, he'd be gone for two or three days. Mm, when you. he came home, like he was good and even whatever. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, so my mom stopped mulling all, all that stuff, and there's you know it's pretty normal after that. Uh, being that like I I had that you know action movie stuff in me, and I got really into it. Then then he signed me up for karate. Uh, so I started doing martial arts, got really heavy into that. And that's pretty much how I spent my youth is like martial arts. You know, I go and, uh, you know, whatever, learn like a, a front snap kick or a side thrust kick. And I'd go home and I take it very serious. Like it was very structured and disciplined with it. Um, that word gets thrown around a lot. I don't, in the nineties, discipline wasn't such a big, you know, common thing. Uh, but I would sit there and I'm like, all right, well, I learned this this front snap kick, so I'm going to go home and I'm going to do it 2,000 times on the right leg, 2,000 times on the left leg, you know? And then I'm showing my little brother, you know? And uh, and I, I pretty much just spent my life doing martial arts that way. Um, after that, you know, I, home got better, but school is still pretty rough. I was like one of like two other, two other white kids in school. So uh, my parents were big on like, you can't let anyone disrespect you. Mm-hmm. Which in the 90s, it wasn't a big deal for kids to get in a fist fight. That wasn't, it's, it's not so much. It was like just a fist fight. Right. <laughs> hey, they got to fight. It is what it yeah. is. Uh, but don't let anyone disrespect you. But being that, like, I was one of a, a couple white kids at that school, you know, mostly Hispanics, um, they, they tend to throw a lot of shit my way. And I'm not going to stand for that. So it was like every day at the baseball fields, I'm getting in a fight with a kid over something stupid. Um, been in a lot of fights, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, pretty typical stuff, you know. Whatever you, you hit each other a bunch, and it kind of works itself out. That yeah. kind of thing. Uh, and I'm and sure then, that made it rough to get good grades and try to be consistent with school. Uh, especially, uh, like, how old were you? Um, at that time, I'm, I'm still in, I'm still in elementary school. Yeah. See, right? that's that's something that uh, probably built you stronger as an adult, but as a child, that's got to be rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Like I said, I'm I'm thankful for being where I've been. Um, I never really had problems with grades though, right? So, school. I'm not saying like I'm I'm you know smart or whatever, but uh, school is always like the the way I saw the structure is the first five minutes the teachers kind of get accountability. After that, they you know the next ten minutes they give you your assignment, and I'd usually finish mine in the next ten minutes, right? And it's supposed to take okay. an hour and a half, so. For the most part, I'd uh, I'd finish my work and then I'm I'm sitting there for an hour, you know, mm. like d- doing nothing, you know. What okay. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my grades never <coughs> never really suffered or anything like that. I was a pretty good student. Uh, I played baseball a lot when I was a kid. The martial arts and still a lot of discipline. Uh, for one stint there, when when my dad had left, and he was out, uh, you know, traveling the country working. Uh, my grandmother had came by the house and she's like this 
oh, I don't even know, dude, like 5'2", right? Like just 5'2", super hardcore Christian, right? She's a Jehovah's Witness. And um, and she came by my Aunt Cheryl's house, and she saw me in the playpen. Like pretty much what they would do is they'd kind of like put us in an area where we couldn't mess around, and they'd go do their thing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was sitting there like dirty diaper for God knows how long, that kind of thing. Uh, and she kind of just scooped me up and left, didn't even tell my, my mom in the back, you know, went in the front, grabbed me, boom. And uh, I ended up staying with her for a while. It's probably like five or six months that that first stint. Uh, but I ended up staying with her for a while, and she would take me to meetings. So that's how I got to like know God, and you know His name is Jehovah, and, and start to worship and like see like so. So when I, you know, inevitably my mom's gonna come and get me because she'll do fine, and then she'll take me back, and you know, like obviously substance abuse is a hard thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when she would take me back, it's like I I kind of already knew like all right, well you know God's got me, and if I'm a good person, I do the right thing. So. I started looking out for, you know, what would be my cousins and things like that. Like, all right, let's just take care of each other. And we're all kind of there for each other. So, um, like I said, there's nothing I would change, man. I'm not, like, uh, complaining. I don't want anyone to feel bad for me or or anything stupid like that. I'm sure people, you know, have it a lot harder. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, that's that's pretty much how my, you know, up to my elementary went. And now now you're in Arizona. That was uh, Southern California, right? Yeah. Yeah, Southern California. Yeah. Well, I mean, what brought you here and... Like what you're doing now, you're working at the prison. So. Yeah, so uh, I was doing baseball, like I said, you know, I was pretty good at baseball. Um, and I kind of just, the the fight started catching up with me. Um, I was getting in a lot and, you know, like that. there's there's street fighting and there's like boxing, right? Like I would go with my cousins and they were, they were stuck at, at that house. Like they have no escape, right? They don't have like grandma or a nice place to go, whatever. So they're, they, they're stuck in that. Um, so I got, I kind of got to see both, both worlds growing up where okay. like, okay, I'm, I'm safe here and this place isn't safe. But at the same time, I always kind of like, it, it always held like a place in my heart. You know what I'm saying? This is where I'm from. Uh, so, you know, we'd box and that was a, that was a big thing there. Uh, Mad Child, who's actually a pretty popular rapper now. Uh, he claims Vancouver, Canada, but he used to be there. I used to box him. Uh, he's, mm. he's a pretty cool kid. Uh, but we'd box like two or three people at a time, and we just stop when we got a headache, right? Which looking back, like we we box until we got a concussion. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, yeah. but at the time, it's like no, I just box till you get dizzy. Uh, so we just be you know boxing the hell out of each other. Like that's one thing. But the street fights was a whole different thing because like at school, you know, kids would talk shit, and I'm not gonna take that. So you know, what's up? And l- let's go. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it just as I started to get older it got more serious like kids are bringing knives and guns to school and they're starting to join gangs so if I even if I were like if if you were a person that had a problem with me and we were to fight and and I win which is best case scenario for me then now like now your homies and everyone hates me and and now I gotta deal with that because they're not gonna be on the losing end you know what I'm saying yeah Uh, so my dad started to see that and uh, he just chose you know he he grew up in the same way and he chose to remove me from that environment you know uh so that that's how we ended up here in arizona he got a uh first job he could that was a that was a stay-at-home job with um with mojave county electric he got on there and moved us out here and boom it was weird too because coming from california to here like the first thing i noticed when i moved to bullhead was like the air was fresh and it was super weird to me like it was a good vibe it felt good but then like at the same time, it made me kind of insecure. Like I didn't, I didn't like it. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm used to, uh, like smoggy city yeah, yeah. type type area. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's how we came out here to Arizona. Uh, we lived in Bullhead for a year. 
that was that was pretty cool. Uh, still had problems with gangs, things like that. My oldest sister, her uh, her husband was a drug dealer, or her whatever baby daddy was a drug dealer at the time. So we had some drive-bys at her house. That kind of stupid, stupid yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, you know, guns pulled on me, whatever. And he's like, "Yes, this isn't helping." Uh, and they wanted to. They were we were renting a condo at that time, so they wanted to buy a house. So they're like, "Well, let's move again." And you know, they're like, "Hey, Ty, like, could you not? Could you not mess us up? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. could you not be stupid?" Uh, so we got out here to Kingman, and it, it was pretty easy, honestly. Um, after being at like, after being in an inner city like that, whatever. Um, to, to come out here and deal with the teachers and the, you know, the, the local kids from the small town, like, it's, it's kind of cookie cutter. It's pretty yeah. easy. I'm like, hey, I can navigate this. It's, it's no problem. Um, I mean, coming from California, I know when I moved here, it, was, it wasn't when I was a kid, but just night and day. Yeah. From California to Arizona, just night and day, people more friendlier, actually give a shit about their community. I mean, uh, Bullhead... I don't know about Boyd, but I know Kingman. I lived in Kingman for a little bit, and then uh, now I live in Havasu. <clears throat> but I mean, I would, I will I'll never go back to California. <laughs> oh no, 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 I don't even like to go there to visit, dude. Like <laughs> my cousins <laughs> yeah. want to hang out, so I'm like, that's cool, dude. Come, we got a river, we got a casino. Like we're good. You come out here, I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going back there for nothing. I, I hate that place. Well, I go, I go every now and then to visit my family. And uh, last year, when all the COVID shit hit, mm-hmm. like here, we're like, okay, you know, people are not pressing masks too much, except for the gyms and the bars, right? That was when it first happened. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, the two places now, like, who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> you're drunk, you don't care. You're fit, you're healthy, you don't care. <laughs> right. But, anyways, uh, <laughs> just say, you know what you're doing when you go to that place. But yeah. yeah, yeah, no, just wipe down the shit. But, anyways, you know. But uh, I went to California. I ended up uh, taking the plane to Sacramento, Vegas to Sacramento. Okay. And uh, the first fucking gas station I get to, okay. And I, you know, I'm not used to wearing a mask in the in the gas station. It says on the door, it's recommended, whatever, right? And uh, yeah, so I mean, I I didn't have a fucking mask. And I get there, and uh, the fucking. Um, the person at the gas station at the or I went in to buy something like uh sir we can't serve you without a mask and I'm like you, you fucking kidding me and I just had like a fucking soda and um, they're like yeah no we can't we can't serve you if you don't have a mask I'm like well do you have one that you can provide me no she's like well no I don't like what the fuck do you want me to do no that's ridiculous and she's like well sir over there we have uh, masks, and she pointed to fucking an aisle like yeah. in the corner. For forty two ninety nine, you could buy a well, mask to buy. Well, no. Soda. So yeah. <laughs> first thing, the masks you were like masks to buy your soda. Right? The, so the masks were like five bucks, but this is what she told me to do. Okay, because I was like, hey, so I can't come in here without a mask. He's like, no. I'm like, but you expect me to walk all the way across the fucking store for a mask? <laughs> and, and she, no, this is. This is exactly what she fucking said, okay? She's like, well, sir, you can put your shirt over your face. Well, I could do that now, okay? Like, Well, no, I was like, this is fucking stupid. I'll find somewhere else. Yeah. So I left, and anyways, I ended up driving down the road like an hour and fucking finding a place. Um, just, uh, you know, some rinkin' gas station that obviously they don't care, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Even if they did, the COVID's probably the least of their worries. Yeah. 
so I went there, got my shit, but it was just ridiculous. I'm like, I first fucking place I show up and I try to get a drink. Well, rinketing gas station, you know, maybe they maybe they do care about like your your rights as an American, you know, content for. You know, oh yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. some stupid made up law with a 99.8 survival rate, but that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, rights. Yeah. Amendments, yeah. you know, yeah. So that's cool. Constitution, you know. I mean, who would who of that? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I mean, I, someone said they were very wise. Yeah. So for some reason, things are changing now. But oh, dude, yeah. We're supposed to go later to, uh, later on in the year, and I heard I heard that uh, I heard that Florida's kind of the same when it comes to that oh, kind of shit. Yeah. Well, this is the first uh, the first COVID hit. Now they spiked their fucking COVID, and uh, I think that's they're leaning because they're like, oh well. I mean, that was one of the first places the UFC went to because mm-hmm. uh, they because they were so like relaxed on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, <coughs> anyways, backwards anyways, well, we're going to Florida in like a month. Oh, that's gonna be what's up, dude. You wrestle a gator. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrestle a shark. Oh, shit. Okay. oh, dude! I'm telling you, I'm gonna fucking That's punch a shark in his face. Yeah. Well, if you do it in the nose, then you win, because they'll just leave. That's what I hear. That's what they say. This is. I'll test. I'll test it. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah. Let me know. No, I'll, t- I'll test it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. So, anyways, uh, you're in Kingman now. <laughs> yes, K-Town. K-Town. Anyways, so you're in Kingman now. Um. And going to school, uh, you're married and have kids now, right? What'd you What'd you do before you ended up getting married? Like what after school? What What was your first job? And uh, now you're in corrections, but what led up to that? Okay, so uh, you know when I got old enough, uh, my dad started every summer. And I was like, well, you know, we could we could sit at home, we could be lazy kids and not be around them, or you know, he'd give my mom a break because she's dealing with us the whole school year. And we can go out with him wherever the hell he goes and do whatever the hell he does. Uh, so that was the best choice <laughs> to them. <laughs> uh, made me sweat a lot, but, you know, happy for it. Uh, so I pretty much all, all summer long, my brother and I, we'd go out and we'd just be linemen. And we'd, we'd do the thing, right? Uh, so we'd sit there, we'd, we'd dig poles or holes for poles and, you know, all the good stuff. Being bucket trucks, operating heavy, heavy machinery, all that good stuff. Um and yeah that, that's kind of how we spent our summers uh so we got out here and it was more of the same you know what i mean um it was uh yeah i don't know so he he kind of instilled like a good work ethic in us right because uh, he had one and his dad instilled that in him his dad was a heavy equipment operator uh versus him being a lineman you know they're two different jobs they, they work alongside each other but yeah two different jobs uh, so most linemen last about five or six years um, before they either get electrocuted and die or quit. Uh, he did 20, 20, 25, 26 years um, until he got like a seriously electrocuted. Uh, the year before, he had fallen out of like a like two-story high tree and shattered his, his hill. Uh, he knew it was a bad call to go up in the tree and like try to cut the branch to get it out of the line. But he's one of those people like lead by example, right? Kind of like yeah, corrections. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't want to tell, like, he's, you know, he's a supervisor at that time, but he didn't want to tell his, you know, any of his operators, like, go in, go in the tree and cut that. Yeah, yeah. So he wanted to go do it. Uh, it's like, I'm not going to tell you to do something that I won't. Exactly. Basically. So he's like, this is unsafe, I'll go do it. 
right? Like, that's just the kind of guy he is. Hey, fuck it. Yeah, cool. You know, if anybody's going to die, it's going to be me. Uh, oh, and he's done some hardcore shit over the years, dude. Like, one one time we're living in Bullhead, and uh, when, when we had first moved here, and he comes home, and he's, like, super, you know, he's kind of got his hands behind his back, and he, and he walks in the door really calm. He's like, hey, what's up, buddy? You know, and I'm hugging him. My brother's hugging him. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad you're home. All that good stuff. And uh, he looks at my mom, and he says, listen, don't freak out, Okay. Everything's going to be fine. And she's like, all right, cool. Like, what's up? And he pulls his hand out, dude, and he got his finger chopped off, right, by a, by a transformer that had fell on it. Um, he's got his finger in, like, in like a paper towel, right? And he's like, it's going to be fine. Just will you take me to the hospital? Like, it's all good, right? So, um, so he's, he's just a hardcore dude. And uh, anyways, he fell out of that tree. He shattered his heel. And they ended up putting, like, this giant plate in there and everything. Uh, but it saved his life the next year when he got electrocuted. Because most of the time, uh, when when you have like pliers or anything, and, and you hit a, a live wire, it'll enter the hand and it goes straight to the heart. That's where like you know most electricity is. Um, and it blew out his foot because he had that steel plate, so it bypassed his heart. Oh, I got you. Right. So this fool, and I swear, like he's he's just, again, you know, talk about how tough he is and everything. Uh, me and my wife get there, and he knows that my wife's like really sensitive to like to to physical things, right? Like she doesn't do blood and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, the first thing he says, like, I, I walk in the door, and uh, one of his operators there, he's like, listen, your dad got electrocuted. I'm like, dude, that's cool. Like, just let me see my dad. Like, I don't, I don't even want to hear it, you know? And I go there, and they got him, like, they don't even have him in a room in the ER. He's just on a gurney. So I go there, and the first thing he says, he sees my wife, and he's like, hey, don't let her see my foot. Right? Like, don't. You know, he's worried, more worried about her than yeah, what's yeah. going on with him. And uh, I'm like, all right, yeah, it's good. And, you know, she, she starts bawling. My wife's a very caring person. And I look at his foot, dude, and it looked like those uh, those cartoons. They're like when they're smoking the cigar and it blows out. No, oh, like that's, that's how his foot looked like with skin. Like, wait, so like his toes blown out or his like ankle down? His toes. So it went through his and it hit the hill, and then his toes were like. That's like pretty hardcore shit, dude. Yeah. And he's sitting there, and I swear to God, he's just, he didn't lose consciousness the entire time, which most people would, like, pass out, right? He, he stayed awake for the entire yeah, thing, the entire ambulance ride, all that. And, uh, yeah, he got there, and it's like, dude, his, his skin is peeled back, and it's just like it's yellow, burnt hot dog, right? And, uh, and it's, it's literally, like, got smoke coming out of it, and he's just talking to me, holding a conversation. And uh, so him and I were uh, were little league coaches at the time, and always always sitting there talking about dude, like you know the, the doctors and everything. Like, listen, he could die any minute. Like any minute, he could just stop, right? Like so, just be prepared for that. That's probably what's gonna happen. And he's just sitting there talking about like, listen, you're gonna have to take over a coach, or you're gonna have to take over coaching on Thursday. We got practice. I want the kids to do this. Like, you know what I mean? Just, just doesn't care about himself. Uh, yeah, dude's my hero. Just kind of like, just kind of like making sure you're gonna take over. Yeah, pretty much. So that's the shoes I got to fill. So uh, long road ahead of me. But no, so he he instilled a good work ethic in me, and um, you know, like I said, always did good in school. Everything. Um, after about a year in Bullhead, we moved to Kingman. Wait. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, thank you. My turn. Okay. So you can't leave on a cliffhanger. Oh, did I? Yeah, you did. Well, did, he, did he die or did he? No, my like, dad is definitely still alive to this day. Oh, okay, because that was a total cliffhanger. You want to like, you want to talk about a hardworking motherfucker, dude? Yeah, no, no kidding. No, like especially when a doctor's like, "Hey, he's gonna die any minute." He's like, "Hey, look, man, you do your fucking homework today." 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. Right. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna do tomorrow's too now. <laughs> like, listen, I want them catching flies. I don't want those grounders. Like, not one grounder is going past them. The practices are over until they don't miss a grounder. Like, all right, man, I got it. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but no, like, you totally left it on clue here. Thanks for clarifying. My that. bad. Uh, yeah. yeah. So people, my dad is definitely still alive. He's still hardworking motherfucker. Kick ass. Okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty. And he still coaches little league to this day. It's his passion. That's pretty intense. So what he does, <laughs> the funniest part about him, right? Um, He's afraid of needles. Like the dude, <laughs> After all this, he's afraid of he's needles. Afraid of needles. So he wants he want so bad to get a tattoo of a lion, but like he can't break himself to do it. Um, so through all this insurance fiasco he's had, right? His toes are blown out, but his foot was still there. And at first they're telling him like, hey, we're just gonna, we're just gonna like chop this right here. And he's like, hey, just take the foot. Just, just, just take my whole foot, take my whole leg. You know, just make it easy. Like, no, we, we can't do that. we got to try to save it. So they take his foot, and then he has, like, eight, nine surgeries after that having skin grafts where they remove skin from his, you know, like, whatever hamstring and all that, and they try to wrap it over his foot. It's all this gnarly, gnarly-looking stuff, dude. Like, the, the pain that he's gone through trying to do that is insane, right? Um, and they just, like, through the year, it's been, like, an eight-year process. They just kept slowly taking parts of his foot. Right, and he's gone through all these surgeries, all these, all these congrats, all these surgeries. Finally, they took his foot, and uh, so he has a prosthetic leg, right? And now his new thing, because he's afraid of tattoos, is on his prosthetic leg. He'll get like, he'll get, he'll get a graph on that. That's his new thing. He's like, so he sends me pictures all the time. He's like, look at my new leg. This is what I'm gonna get. That's cool, Dad. That's cool. You know what I mean? He's super hardcore, dude. Oh damn! No, that's pretty. It's still. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, you're like, oh, no, they said he's going to die, and he's just telling me to take over coaching. Anyway, so, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I assume people knew at that point, yeah. My bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're probably right. I should clarify. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Thanks, Thanks for clarifying that. But, um, anyway, so uh, he worked construction, or as a lineman, for his whole life, right? Well, your whole life, right? Um, now, I know that, like, my family, my whole family, my little brother, he runs the water company in uh, Lake County, Lower Lake Water. And um, my older brother, he works for a construction company. He's a heavy equipment operator. My father, he's a foreman now, but he's a heavy equipment operator. Grandfather, same. Um, anyways, I didn't go into that because of shit that happened in my life. And uh, that kind of led me more towards like law enforcement first responder now i'm corrections right um why didn't you go into that well so initially i uh, i got into construction because it paid right like uh i was 15 years old and i started working construction full-time still in school still crushing it still getting pretty decent grades at that time um they they, they dropped a little bit uh but you know hormones and girls and stuff mm, yeah uh, of course you know full-time yeah, right 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 christoph hormones and, oh, what? yeah hormones hormones and girls right christoph okay oh no he's lying that's, that's fine story. <laughs> okay. He doesn't want to talk right now. Um, so yeah, so 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 started doing the construction gig, which I honestly like. That's that's my favorite kind of work, man. Construction. Um, yeah. It was it was awesome because I felt like uh, like I said like I I grew up knowing Jesus and and having God in my life and everything and I 
you know, I'd, I'd always joke around with my wife and then, you know, tell her, like, oh, you know, Jesus work, whatever. <laughs> right? yeah. um, you know, we were just friends at the time. But I, I just thought it was super cool and it was, it was super awesome to build something with my hands. I like that. Well, the uh, the market kind of dropped in, right? This is during the Bush, you know, administration. Uh, the market dropped and there, there was no construction. So I'm like, hey, I need to, I need to look in, like, to something that's permanent and and consistent. You know what I'm saying? Uh, even though I, I love construction. Um, so I started looking at that and whatever, I guess, uh, let's see, timeline here. I was probably 20, 22 years old then. Um, and, you know, like I said, I always liked those action movies, right? Like the, you know, it's, it's kind of corny, but the, the star is always like depicted as like that perfect man. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. always the right sense of justice and, and the, the, you know, the, the Captain America type. Yeah, yeah. Um, and protect you know, and serve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Growing up, I, I was always a protector. That, that's what I did. It was, it was a natural thing. It was, I had a yearning towards that. Um, and you know, knowing knowing God and and everything that I've been through, I'm like, okay, well, I, I get like that. There's a sense of justice to this too, right? Um, so, so that was kind of a natural thing for me. I got into private security. Did that for a couple of years. Didn't like the way it paid, and it's. You know, being a security guard isn't really what I was looking for. It was just something that, that was quick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that happened, and then I um, I applied at uh, at different law enforcement um, agencies, and I applied at you know at, at our prison, and the prison's first one to call me back. So I did that, and you know, best thing ever. I, I figured like, hey, I'll try this, and I'll get into law enforcement. But uh, once I got there, it, it all kind of took hold, and. Um, I, I really liked what I was doing, so I got no reason to leave now. Yeah. Yeah. Give me one second. Cool. Go out there and get my kid's shoe from the dog so he doesn't tear it up. Copy. Okay. I can do that. Stand by. You got the case, Swiss? No, just continue. I can edit it out. <sighs> Is it fucked? No, we're good. Okay, so where's my wife? Okay. I just want to show K-Swiss is intact. Okay, K-Swiss. Think. K-Swiss intact. Uncle Ty saved the day. Save. Protect and serve. Boom. <laughs> okay. I saw you super distracted there. I didn't know what was going on, but yeah. Yeah, was. no, I saw yeah, it. I'm like, that's I'm going to wait until you pause oh, for a rocking. second. He's worse than Kristoff. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Stop eating shit, Kristoff. Stop it, Rocky. Look, he's just looking at me now like I'm an asshole. All I got to do is... You were chewing a shoe. Let's put it on one of you guys and kind of sneak under. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, but no, I got... Kristoff. Shoot. <laughs> Shoot. Sorry, oh. that's why I put the foam on it. So if it hits me, I'm good. Yeah. Anyways, so. I can't afford any more concussions. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now you work at the prison. Yeah. So uh, applied there. And like I said, more more consistent and looking for something that, you know, I realized like I was working three jobs at the time. I was working private security. I was working as a, uh, as a gas station clerk and, and um, doing like. Homes that have been repossessed, repossessed. I'd go and uh, I go take like photographs of them and stuff for realtors. It was super easy gig, but essentially working three jobs. Like, hey, I'd, I'd like to do something that like I'm proud of that I could provide for my family because 
figured out like, hey, no matter what, I'm going to make sure my family's good, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I wanted something to be more proud of. And um, like I said, corrections just, it stuck. I, I got there and um, it, everything was good with it, dude. Like, I, I get it. It's it's pretty easy. It's the way I grew up. It's a respect level. You give respect, you get respect. And there, there's not a lot more to it than that, right? Yeah. Um, I know people like watch movies and stuff where it's, you know, this penitentiary style and, and you know, whatever. Uh, but really, corrections in the last, at least since I've been there, you know, five years, whatever, has made a big change where it's more geared towards rehabilitation and mm-hmm. helping those people to correct the behaviors that, that get them in trouble. Yeah, so uh, they don't go out and do it all over right. again. So I feel natural yeah. at that because I grew up seeing that behavior, seeing, you know, like, like I said, I, I kind of had the best of both worlds where I'm living in a safe place and an unsafe place, and uh, it, it just kind of made sense to me. Everything clicked, and... It felt like home, you know. Um, on top of that, you know, you, you meet a lot of, of good staff and brothers and sisters that that I put my life on the line for. Uh, so how, how could I walk away from that? You know what I mean? Like if if I were to leave and, and do something else and, you know, provide for my family the same or better or whatever and, and one of you guys get hurt, I don't know how I would feel about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's kind of one of those things like, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't want to make something more hardcore than it is, but it's, it's kind of blood in, blood out, dude. I'm, I'm stuck at this point because I, I got your back, you got mine, and, and we're going to rock it till the wheels fall off. Yeah, and, you know, there's always that uh, one thing that <clears throat> I love about it is once you get hired there and you hit the yard, right, because you can be a OJT or um, a COT, which is a correction officer in training, but um, once you hit the yard, it's like your bro you're joining a family a brotherhood right you know i mean just like you said blood in blood out is uh you know i mean if one person doesn't come home at the end of the day we all lost and um the impact that one person like losing their life or um, taking their own life or something because the suicide rate in corrections is ridiculous and yeah. which is which is uh i mean it, it shows and it's understandable why you know it's an environment that no one wants to just volunteer to put yourself through <laughs> right right so yeah like like it or not you're you know if, if you stay there long enough you will be institutionalized like like the inmates there yeah that's it um so you know everything's based on on programming you know their lives and ours uh whether whether it's just your work schedule and you want to take it serious and you want to go home and sleep on the couch or whatever if, if you're a bachelor or you, or you go home and deal with your family whatever everything's programmed and uh, you become very institutionalized, and you, you got to be cognizant of that. You know what I'm saying? And some people can deal with that, and some people can't. Um, the the suicides, like you talked about, man, that's that's heavy stuff. Because, like, you know, we, we dealt with, with that thing recently. Uh, and that, that's really heavy on my heart, you know. Um, luckily, everything was okay. Yeah. You know what and, I'm saying? And, you know, it's just, uh, it's just sad to see it. So, I think what hits hard, regardless who it is, like, say it's maintenance, say it's... Um, case managers or programs, right? Um, instructors, doesn't matter. But when someone takes their life in this field, um, you feel it on the yard. You see it in all the other officers, all the other staff. Right. And even if we don't know that person, we know that the stress level that they're in every single day being around the these inmates, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> trying to rehabilitate them and trying to make them better people. But, I mean, some people just can't be helped at the time. Yeah. Some people are lifers. I mean, some people just don't give a shit and want to be convicts or whatever, right? Yeah. And my and you know maybe maybe I'm 
I'm wrong in the situation, but for me, it's like if you you know a, a brother or sister who takes their life, like like you said, it doesn't matter what kind of what 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 your job is there. If you work at the prison and you're there, and uh, the the stress gets to you and you take your life, it's like that. That's a loss. That's it, it, giant, dude. And so like on yeah. there, there are no words, right? Because to me, like that person could have just thrown the towel. They could have just left. But they felt that sense of family just like we do. And that's why yep. they couldn't walk away from it. And they would they would rather do that than just be like, Hey, you know what, I'm gonna do do I'm gonna go work. I'm gonna be a Walmart greeter or whatever, you know. Um, so so I kinda take that really personally. Like they kinda walk away from us but they kinda handle it and, and that's heavy, man. I don't it's a it's a rough one to process. Yeah, and I mean we always stress with all the academies and just um anybody even even senior staff that are going through hard times, you know, like yeah. you could be there five years and then you could hit a wall where it's like, uh, I can't handle this no more. Right. Right. But uh, there's a time where, you know what, they, it's true. The job's not for everybody. And sometimes you just got to put your pride aside and make the right choice for yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah and it's kind of like the situation we dealt with recently. It's a, it was, it's, I mean, it's a hard pill to swallow, but, you know, I mean, it's, um, I'm glad it's working out. Yeah. But uh, we won't get into too much into detail on that. But well, that's, that's their stuff, dude. Yeah. Um, but but, but he, he's, no, well, everything's going good. And, yeah. And that's all good. Anyway, so uh, now you're a sergeant. And uh, for uh, you guys that are going to be watching or listening, um, so Underwood here, he's a sergeant on day shift now. He's, you started, you've been a sergeant for what? You've been sergeant for, uh, what, a year or a little more? Maybe... Uh, Six months, eight months, two months. Yeah, not quite a year. Past six months, something like that. I'm not that great at math. Yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't really count the time. Um, obviously, like I, I, I took on that role a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to promote too soon, and then like, I, I probably could have. You know, I, I knew my stuff enough too. Yeah. Um, but I'm just I'm one of those people that want to wait, and you know, I had a pretty good. And operations too, working corrections. If you got weekends and holidays off, like you, you know, it's kind of the game, yeah. dude. You know what I'm saying? Um, but obviously, Yoni's a big, big impact on me. Um, yeah, him and Panzer are pretty much uh, the people I mold myself after. Uh, and and he really pushed me to promote and take that step up. You know, I started seeing the other people that that promoted up in front of me, and I, you know, whether I am or not, I feel like hey, I'm, I'm better than that. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, but I took my time to do it, um, and it wasn't until I honestly never even really considered it until I had a lot of like frequent staff always tell me, "When are you going to be a sergeant? When are you going to be a sergeant?" And then I'm like, "All right, well, they believe in me. It's just about time." You know what I'm saying? Uh, so that's when I, I took the plunge, and you know, it, it, it kind of sucks because you know you're going to be stuck on graveyard, and you're, you're going to have to go through all that and pay your dues, whatever, until you get you know established. Uh, but yeah, so took the bite, and I, I think it's. Eight or nine months, been a sergeant. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's one of those things <clears throat> promoting at a uh, job like this where it's not just an eight to five right. or a nine to five, right? <clears throat> um, where it's just all hours throughout the day. You got to sit your family down first. Got to explain to them, hey, I'm gonna be probably on graveyard. My whole schedule is gonna change. I'm gonna have to work holidays. I'm gonna have to work weekends. I'm gonna have to do all that shit, right? Yeah. I, 
won't know just, my days off. All that yeah, stuff. I won't know my days off until I get hired and I actually get it put on a shift. I'm not going to know my shift. I'm not going to know the hours I got to work. And even if I do tell you it's that, that's subject to change at the captain's whim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah. And I mean, it's just something that you have to sit down and you have to discuss it with them. Like uh, before I took lieutenant, and I. <coughs> So like uh, before I came salary, I think that was the biggest uh, the biggest thing for me, mm -hmm. right? I I started as a sergeant on graveyard, then I went to swing shift, and then I went to day shift, and I was only on day shift for like two months. But uh, everybody, I mean, same thing, you know. Everybody's like, hey, it's time to promote, mm -hmm. like, yeah. And I, you know, you think about it off and on, right? right. Because the turnover rate's fucking ridiculous. It is, but. Um, yeah, they said, um, I was like, okay, well, I guess it's time, right? And then I was only on day shift for like, well, probably like three or four months um, as a sergeant. But uh, I had to sit down with the wife and say, hey, look, I'm in overtime, I'm working for free, salary, right? Um, paychecks are going to be a little lower because I'm not getting all the overtime. And even if I am getting the overtime, it's not going to be accounted for. Right. Um, I explained flex days and all that shit, right? And uh, the biggest impact was... Um, switching shifts yeah. because obviously is, you know what I mean Whole yeah hours I mean, are different. and I mean you never know what shift you're going to right, right. I told her I'm probably gonna end up going to graveyard yeah uh, I ended up going to swing shift and that's probably if you have a family that's probably the worst it is the worst hands yeah. down there, there's yeah. no problem about it <laughs> swing shift sucks for families yeah which but, <laughs> which which like you know, not, not to cut you off but like which for me is the funnest best shift mm -hmm. there is if you're in it and you're a correction officer and you're about that life, swing shifts where it's at. Yeah. Right. But like, um, when I when I actually went to operations, it was kind of the same. Like, um, I'm in operations and I was P and program, so I still get that swing shift life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But uh, but I'm you know weekends and holidays and stuff. But it's when Bella was gonna start school, you know, the wife started like, hey, like you, you gotta be here, dude. Like we, we need you. She's gonna have she's gonna be in school. You're going to, you know, go when she's at school. You're going to come home when she's asleep. Like, what, what's that about? So that's when I really push for days. But, um, yeah, yeah, swing shift, man. It's well, the best and the worst. Well, I'll time. tell you, like, I've had my best times as a supervisor, just in general, lieutenant, sergeant, doesn't matter, right? Had my best times on swing shift. Yeah. Like, hands down. Mm -hmm. um, the family life, I mean, you don't get to see your family except for your days off. Right. You know, Uh and if you work the weekend, which I ride on swing shift, I'd rather work the weekends and have the weekdays off because that's four days out of the week you get to see your family, right? Yeah. The weekends, I saw them in the morning. I got to wake up every year. I got to wake up in the morning, make them breakfast. I took the kids to school every single morning or daycare or whatever, right? Got to see my wife out the door every single morning. Got minimal sleep. Right. Right. Well, then that's the key. You know what I mean? If, yeah. If and you're going to step up, then you're not going to sleep, but you yeah. can make it work. You know? But uh, one thing... That, one thing that uh, if my wife watches this, I'm sorry, I'll sleep on the couch tomorrow. But um, one thing that I really liked about Swing Shift is it didn't matter what time you got off. If you got off at 10 o'clock at night or if you got off at 2 in the morning, mm -hmm. right? They're sleeping anyways. They're sleeping. Yeah. I can go to the gym. I spend hours in the gym, right? <laughs> right. And probably the best shape, best shape of my life on Swing Shift just because, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, you get. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I, uh... You got a tool checkout for him for that shovel, buddy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep going. Just digging it. Digging <laughs> the best shape of my life. Not yeah. the best time of my life. Okay? 
But just because I get off at 10, I know the wife's sleeping, right? And I, I text her, and if she's awake and she says, hey, I want you home to lay with me, I'm all right, cool, home. I'm coming home, right? Yep. But if she was sleeping, if I didn't get no text back, I'm like, okay, cool, going to the gym. Open season. And you learn to, I don't know, I, I, train, I learned to, like, be able to stay up late at night um, and, you know, still wake up in the morning with, like, two hours, three hours of sleep and yeah. run off of that, right? Yeah. Or... I would go to sleep and I'd work out in the morning. It depends on if it was, uh, like, if I took the kids to school at 8 in the morning, I didn't right. work until 2 in the afternoon, yeah. right? I'd have all morning to work out and do whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it was nice because I just it was, like, unlimited for me time, right? right? But it was super limited for family time. That's But, yeah. work, but work was enjoyable because uh, you don't have all the higher-ups, right? As a lieutenant, at least, and sergeants, even when I was a sergeant, right? Good officer. Like but I mean, you don't you don't have the higher ups. You don't have we call it the White House. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but you don't have you don't have the White House there. Reindeer games. Reindeer games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, inside joke. But um, <laughs> you don't you don't have them breathing down on your back and right. order you know telling you yeah. to do this 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 keeping you like giving you this long list of tasks that you know is going to take you all day to complete. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, you don't have that. It's just it's just you guys, right? right? So swing shift has always been the closer the closer family when it comes to the officers. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Just because I mean, it's it's just you guys. If anything happens on the yard, guess who's making the call? Is the lieutenant and the sergeants, mm-hmm. right? Um, guess who's not coming to respond like that? It's the guys that are off from the White House, unless it's like a major incident. Obviously, they're going to be there, yeah. but. Uh, like groupings on the yard, fights, assaults, all that stuff. It's us. All the fun know. stuff. Yeah. All the fun stuff. All the good stuff. Um, it kind of molded to day shift uh, for a while there. Yeah, they're weird when they started doing that at like fourteen hundred. It's like, what? You, you guys got your times messed up, right? Because most disturbances, mm-hmm. like historically speaking, are after dinner chow. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then they got to that that thing where it was like, you know, whatever noon they start messing around and thirteen, thirteen yeah. thirty, and then something's going down. So well. well yeah, I guess the shift change. I don't know if it's tactical on, on their part or not, but yeah, that definitely started happening towards the end there. And now COVID hit, and everyone just wears masks, and we're all super safe and social distance. And oh, social distance indeed. Yeah. Even though they live like two feet away from each other, but yeah, yeah kind of social distance. Anyways, we don't need to get into the politics of prison. Uh, but yeah, swing shift. I, I definitely agree with you, right? Um, horrible for family, but good for you. And I started on swing shift. I think that was actually one thing that really let me. Uh, like kind of acclimate to the prison was that I was on swing shift. So when I would get off, I would, I would stay over because I liked overs more than early. And Poulter, man, he was a beast. Like he, like, yeah. you know, like coming up in a prison, like uh, when, when you're there, you, you really need like a, a yard dog with you. Like, hey, let, let's go. And you, you got someone to push you. You know what I mean? So me and him were always kind of competing, right? Um, and he'd be like, hey, we're, we're coming in early and, you know, whatever, we decided to ride together. So he's like, oh, and we're staying over late. Like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, cool. Oh, uh, no but regardless, when I got home, you know, you have that couple hours to, like, really unplug from that environment, learn it, and, and decompress and, and get used to it. Yeah. I think a lot of people, if you're on graveyard or day shift, you, you wouldn't get that necessarily because uh, you're coming home and, you know, if, if you have a family or, or anyone at home, uh, then, then they're at home with you, and you're kind of it's it's hard to do the both things at once. 
Uh, but getting used to the environment, I think it helps a lot that you can be by yourself and really kind of like, okay, this is what happened today, and I'm good with it, and move on and relax and step back from it. Yeah. Um, so, so to me, that's kind of optimal. Love yeah. swing shift. Yeah, and you love know, swing shift and I hate it. Yeah, it's a love and hate relationship. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, I didn't think um, graveyard was too bad, just because. Okay, so day shift, obviously, you get the most family time, right? Um, yeah. I didn't think graveyard was too bad when it came to uh, family time, you know, either because when I was on graveyard, I made a decision to. I told my wife, hey, I will be up in the morning and sleep before work, or I'll sleep in the morning and stay up or wake up like at noon or whatever and uh, be with you and the kids all day. It right. depends on the day, obviously. If they're in school in the morning, I'm going to sleep in the morning, mm -hmm. obviously. But, um, or if she has to work or whatever, right? But if uh, they're not in school then, and they want to be up in the morning and she needs some help with breakfast and whatever, you know, then I'll help her out. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you have, you have like the options there. It's just uh, you got to really train your body because you never, you never really get used to the hours of graveyard or just like your sleeping habits. Like you're always tired, you're always worn out. And uh, I mean, it's, uh, even when they're fully staffed, they're the shortest staff, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, out you're of... coming in earlier, you're staying over, period. Yeah. Done. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, even fully... Like, so, day shift, you have more posts to cover. You have more staff. So, staffing levels is 34 is the maximum for day shift. Just us, not right. including operations, case managers, all the people yeah. that can help, yeah. right? And that's help. Yeah. help, right? So, um, but same with swing shift, right? They have 34. Graveyard has, what, 22, 21? Uh, right yeah, 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 twenty-two. Yeah, twenty-two is the I max think staff. It's actually, twenty-six yeah. or something around there, right? Yeah. But it's it's <laughs> doesn't matter. You're always short staff, right? So you're probably doing some overtime. Right. And uh, it's just it's just uh, it's just killer on your on your body. It's a beast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, was, you you were on graveyard. I was on graveyard. I was only on graveyard for or as a sergeant when I first started for probably four or five months, and I was with probably. Okay, they were they were that great of instructors when it came to being a new sergeant and needing to be trained. We're so, gonna leave it at that. Yeah. So so uh, so, <laughs> so I, I did a I did a, I did a five month graveyard stint um, before getting days. And honestly, I thought I didn't thought for sure I'd end up going to swing shift. To just you know, cards be the way they are. You're and, welcome. And turnover and stuff. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't do it. Sure, it was single handedly you. Uh, I did it with me, guys. Yeah, I'm the man. Yeah, um, I single-handedly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Had nothing to do with anything else. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did a five-month graveyard stint, and I was lucky. I can't, you know, like uh, Couture is my lieutenant, and he pretty much like, hey, me, me and Chavez ran a shift. That's it. Uh, and Chavez, awesome sergeant. He's a great dude. Great operator. Great sergeant. Can't say no good things about him. Great person, great human. Uh, love him to death. Yeah, he's like a, he has a really yeah. big heart. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so so you know obviously I already knew him and we worked in operations together. Um, I was the one that kind of persuaded him. Not not persuaded him, but he started asking me about TSU and everything. Um, and I was the one that like, hey, yeah, you, you should do that. So got him on the team and everything. And uh, you know, so so we already had a pretty tight relationship before. But we just meshed with what we thought the supervisor was and how they should operate. Uh, so my graveyard stint was good. Um, my wife is always super awesome, right? Uh, we've known each other since sixth grade. I walked her home her last day of school, sixth grade, and we've been best friends ever since. Um, and 
and you know obviously married now got kids all that good stuff uh but she's she's always super she knew that i wanted to do something to fulfill my life and she sees like she saw that happen in the prison that like hey you're you're different like you you know that this is something to you and uh and you're you know whatever better man or however you want to put it yeah um so no matter what i get saddled with she's always supporting me and doing that so my graveyard stint was pretty much I come home and I go to sleep and then I wake up around two or three and hang out with the kids, family, all that good stuff and, you know, just be exhausted by the time I got to work and mm-hmm. <laughs> get through eight hours and go home and go to sleep and do it again. Yeah. I really didn't realize how much of an impact it had on me until I got uh, COVID. When I had the Rona and I got that 10 days off, obviously. The vid. The vid. Uh, the Rona. <laughs> the Rona is 2020, just for those of you who don't know, we're calling it the vid now in 21. Okay, it's upgraded. The vid. It's not the Rona. It's not Corona. It's the vid. That's not to be mistaken with the venereal disease. That's not what that is. Eh. I'm not sure how the transmission goes yet. But uh, yeah, so when I got the Rona, I had that 10 days off. And I was uh, like, obviously for my days off, I would uh, I'd go home on my Friday, sleep, take a nap, and then wake up and go back day shift. Uh, so for that 10 days off, I realized like, how draining it was on me and everything and that's when I really started you know pushing the captain like hey man you know I, I don't care where it is but give me somewhere else because this ain't good for me um and you know do you want to do you want to explain what you did to the captain to get <laughs> well it's quite simple so quite simple really I had a mastermind plan to annoy him bug him until I got I um so no, he's he's obviously a reasonable person, but it, it works off like who who per, who puts in a memo for a thing first, right? So I put yeah. in a memo for day shift. Um, the swing shift sergeants, I was looking at who was there, and I didn't see anyone leaving, so I thought day shift probably open up first, uh, j- just with things that were going on at the time. But so I put that in, and uh, word got back to me because obviously I'm graveyard, and I don't want to hang out at the prison for an hour and a half to mm-hmm. talk to the captain because I'm lazy. And like I said, I've been up since, you know, like 2 o'clock or, yeah, 2 o'clock in the afternoon the morning before. So I go home and I go to sleep. Uh, and word got back to me about two days later from a swing shift. They're like, hey, Captain said he didn't get your memo. And I put it under his door. Like, All right, that's cool. No problem. So I found someone with keys and I printed off about 50 to 60 of those things. And uh, I just, I put them in every drawer, nook, cranny all over the place, right? Like he's going to see this memo. Like <laughs> that's it. That's all there is to it. I put them on his keyboard and hangboard. I'm, to this day, he's still opening things, finding memos for me to go to day shift, even though I'm day shift. Yeah. yeah, no, every now and then I'll walk in there, and he'll open up a new drawer, and he'll say, fucking Underwood. And he pulls out another memo, and it's the same fucking memo to come to his like He's been on day shift for like a month, and I'm still finding these fucking things. He even has one on his board that he just didn't take down because he quit. He's like, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find more anyways. I'm gonna take that one down, and three more are gonna pop up. So I told him to throw it out. I'm like, hey, you throw that out. He's like, no, what's the point? I'm like, all right, good for you. Uh, yeah, you did good. Yeah, it'll probably be a couple more years. Yeah. Uh, and then the calendar thing that I think that got him too. Yeah. yeah. Bull calendar. Yep. Yeah, now it's cool. in my office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was my spare Z. Thank you, Alfonso. Yeah. Right. Um, hmm. Yeah. So. But I think, uh, honestly, the promoting gig isn't, it's not too hard to say, like, hey, I need to do this. It's my time to step up. Uh, you know, being an operator like we are on TSU and everything, you've already made that commitment. So it's not it's, it's not so much like going from a, a line staff perspective, like, do I want to switch shifts? Do I, should I do this? Should I not? 
Uh, I feel like as a, you know, firearms instructor, all that good stuff, ASP instructor, uh, TSU operator, all that, like it, you're pretty much already, you're, you're going to take that role whether you like it or not. Yeah. So you get paid for it and you can do the job or you could just, you know, be, be some officer. So it wasn't that hard to step into it. And you know, like I said, like anyone on TSU, you've already made that commitment of 24-7. You give me a call, I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to handle business and, you know, provide for the preservation of life, property, and order. Uh, so it's, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You went all type of priorities on us. I like it. Christoph right there. Yeah. That's number one, by the way. But number one. Yeah, yeah. Number one. Okay. You're welcome. <coughs> but no, um, <clears throat> no, there's a, there's... There's a time in your career as corrections if you are trying to get a career or trying to create the career uh, in corrections, right, or proceed with it. Um, there's a time where you're like, um, enough's enough. Like you hit that wall, right? You have that drive at the beginning of your career of your job, right? You ha- you hit that wall, and like I don't like my job anymore. Or I'm just going to do, I'm going to be complacent or do the easy route because corrections can be as easy as you want to make it, uh-huh. right? But the only time it's hard is when you're trying to do your job, but you're doing it in a disrespectful way or you're not doing it right. Right. Right? Yeah. You're not learning. You're not evolving into a good officer, right? Uh-huh. But um, there's a time, excuse me, there's a time where uh, you hit that wall and you're like, that's what's going to make or break you. You're either going to decide, make that decision, like, I want to better my career, or I'm. it's time to get out. Yeah. A lot of staff don't get out, and that's what makes them bad staff. Right. Right? Yeah. In the long run. I mean, let's be honest. I hate to be blunt, but shitbags. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, and I hit that wall when I moved from swing shift to day shift. I got put in – I was on yard – on swing shift for a while and I was like okay cool got a good spot right and then right. they finally the day shift spot popped up and they're like hey you're going to day shift I'm like alright cool right I got put in dorm 2 floor for like 6 to 7 months I, so, I think that's actually when I met you yeah. yeah I was 2 floor for a while right and that's after like working my way up on swings right, right. but when you go to a different shift they don't. I mean, they know. You, they kind of know your work ethic, but it's not to the extent. They got. Of, they got, a test they got. They got their people, though, right? Yeah. They already have their people that mm-hmm. they're their go tos, right? Um, I wasn't one of them because I was swing shifts, but I wasn't day shifts, which is understandable. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so <clears throat> I was two floor for a while. That's when I hit my wall, and I started getting complacent. I started finding myself not wanting to, not enjoying what I do anymore, right? And so I made the choice to change yeah so i decided you know what i'm gonna take i'm gonna take two weeks off i'm gonna go to visit my family in california um and i'm gonna make that change when i get back i'm gonna be the officer that i used to be with that drive and that desire to make a career out of this right just hit reset pretty much yeah Yeah. so uh when i was getting my last day there i told the inmates right that that i was managing in the dorm right um, or supervising, uh, and I told them, "Hey, I'm going on vacation, and when I get back, strict compliance, no more complacency. You guys are gonna get your shit. To, your guys are gonna get your shit together, oh. right?" And they're like, "Okay, they, I've been in there for a while. They know how I operate, right? They don't. I'm not a fucking liar. I'm pretty consistent, but you know, yeah. yeah." So they said, "Okay, we'll see ya." Like, 
Bye. So, <clears throat> took off two weeks, came back, and I did what I said I was going to do. Um, Panzer, he was my sergeant at the time, Swartz as well. Yeah, and uh, they saw my potential after that, after like, after like a month, and I just, I hit it hard. Right. Right. I hit it hard. Came back fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to go. So, um, started loving my job again. Even when I was in the dorm, I didn't even want to, I mean, I started finding drugs again. I started finding, started finding contraband and just like, you know, I mean, the sky's, the sky's the limit when you, when you actually want to pursue something and you actually want to just do your job and be observant and, um, understand how they how your inmates are operating or your right. dorm right? right learn your inmates learn your environment right, right. and uh anyways <clears throat> so um it my job became fun again and uh that's when i ended up panja came up to me he said hey uh i want you to join tactical and i was like i gotta talk to my wife mm-hmm. right so like 30 minutes later he comes in and application filled out he's like sign this I'm like what is that and I read it and it's an application for tactical yeah. he's like I already filled everything out for you just sign here I'm like hmm I gotta talk to my wife he's like give me your hand I'm like <laughs> right and he gets my hand he's like okay now sign it I'm like oh. okay jeez oh, anyways so I joined TSU right and uh or I did the interview process all that stuff <coughs> Um, but then I ended up getting duties for a while. Uh, Officer Haberty was my partner for a while in um, Guthrie, okay. Taki. But uh, got duties and ended up getting yard, and I was yard for like maybe two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when Wrigley actually came up to me, the, the warden. He said, hey, uh, you should promote. Or you should put in for sergeant. I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I'll, I'll think about it. Then staff started saying it, you know, like how you right. got presented to it, right? Yeah. So they started saying, hey, you should promote. You should think about doing this. I'm like, ah, you know what? Maybe it is time, you know. So I need to promote it. But anyways. Yeah. Um, it was, but you hit that wall and you just got to either decide it's, <coughs> is this going to be your career? What are you going to do to change it? Or is it time for a new job? Yeah. Because it's not for everybody. Yeah, I don't care if you've been there for like three years, four years, five years, ten years. Okay, if you hit your breaking point or if you hit that wall and you can't, you can't push forward from that, then maybe it's time. I don't even know if it's a question of if, but when, right? Because, yeah. uh, you know, actually, um, Melmeister was was talking about complacency and he was talking about like battling complacency, whatever. And to me, that's like everyone does it. Right, so for the longest time, you know, being a firearms instructor, I tell the code academy, be complacent, don't be complacent. Um, but we're all humans, so you're going to get complacent in one area or another, right? Not like so complacent that like you're just not doing your job or being a quote unquote shitbag, as we like to say. Um, but you know, just little things like not enforcing, hey, you don't have your ID on, you're you're not in compliance, whatever. Uh, so you you're always kind of battling that, right? Um, and for me. Uh, with with the tactical thing, uh, Yoni was actually brought it up. I was doing a conference at CDU, and he's like, "Hey, you ever thought about tactical?" I'm like, no, not not really. Um, and he kind of he he's like, "Oh well, I, I think you'd be good, you know, whatever." 
Like, all right, well, that's that's something I'll think about, man. Thanks, you know. He's like, all right, well, just you know, just so you know, I think it'd be good. And then like it was <laughs> every you know pipe check, which is you know every 10, 15 minutes throughout that. <laughs> Every pipe check throughout that uh, constant watch, you know, he hit me up with the same thing. Like, yeah, man, I just, I think you'd be good. I think you'd be good. And uh, yeah, so I ended up filling out the application, Panzer saw, and he's like, hey, yeah, no, I think you'd be good. Or not, you know, what is it actually, you know, one of those, you know, yeah. Panzer is. Uh, but I just kind of took it on, like, uh, when, when I'd see them come on the yard and do quarterly searches or. Or handle business, or you know whatever they're doing, vehicle searches, whatever whatever aspect they're activated in. I always saw it and I thought like, well, I could do that. Like I could be good at that. So you know, it's something I wanted to pursue. Um, but definitely, you know, if if it wasn't for TSU, I wouldn't have done all the things that I've done because with TSU, that's when I made the commitment of like, this is my career. I'm going to do this. Uh, so you know, from there on out, it was kind of kind of seamless all the transitions I've made. Yeah. Uh, now let's get back to your family. You have kids and a wife, right? And uh, I do. she was your best friend. So, uh, <laughs> how old are your kids and what's her names and all that good stuff? Let's get into, uh, so into that. So, Isabella is my oldest. She is seven. Uh, Riley is my oldest son. He's six years old. Olivia is my youngest daughter. She's four. And Shane is one. He just turned one on uh, the 4th of January. So. That's pretty legit. Um, you, oh, good. No. What made you come up with those names? Those names? Uh, a lot of thought and effort. Um, so Isabella, <laughs> Isabella, it, obviously my first kid, right? Like, um, I don't know. I, dude, I, I took that role super serious, right? Like, uh, being that, like, you know, my, I, I hate to even use the word stepdad because he's always been in my life. He is my dad. Period. Um, but being that like I didn't know my father or who he was or, or anything about him that I always told myself like well when I become a parent it's it's gonna be solid that's that's my life um, so you know we we got pregnant on purpose it was definitely a uh, purpose thing actually I think God we were probably married for like seven years before we decided to have a baby and it, it pretty much ended up to my wife like hey like I'm like I, I really want to have a kid like we need to get this rolling because uh, I kept trying to do the responsible thing like let's be financially set let's do this she's like look dude like this needs to happen <laughs> so, I'm like alright cool so uh, um, I think I read for Isabella I read three baby's name books so uh, um, my wife and her two sisters are all named after princesses uh, so I kind of wanted something along that theme and after reading three baby name books uh, Isabella was super good uh, it just kind of hit me <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, it stuck something about it resonated with me, and uh, you know, my wife and I like Beauty and the Beast, right? Because uh, I'm, I'm an ugly motherfucker, and you know, she's a princess. This is true. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I can. Definitely I can, very ugly, yeah. right? Uh, so that, so that kind of that was good. Um, so we we liked Isabella, and then her middle name is Grace. Uh, we came up with that when uh, my wife was pregnant, and a rainy day, you know, do- doors, windows open, all that, whatever. We ended up watching Armageddon and. You know, Grace is the daughter of that, so we're like, hey, yeah, that's that's pretty dope. Uh, so we went with Grace. Riley is actually, um, he's my son. I adopted him about a year ago. He's actually my nephew. Uh, so his name is already Riley. We did change his middle name to Tyson. It's just one of those stupid things. My dad always told me, like, hey, you know, your name is, I, my, my middle name is Tyree. I always went by Ty my whole life. My, 
my grandfather's name is Jackie, and that's my first name. But being that that was his name and my name, I never really went by Jackie because they don't, you know, want to be saying the same name. So I was always Ty or Ty Bud to everyone. Um, so I went by Ty, and my dad always thought, hey, you know, when you're when you're older, you should name your son Mike. And then I could say, this is Mike Tyson, right? Like, because Mike Tyson was kind of a big deal to <laughs> oh, uh, So I, 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 don't know, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of stuck with me. So when we adopted him, we changed his middle name to Tyson, last name on the road, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that, that's my boy. That's my dude. Um, and then Olivia, my wife actually picked that name out. Uh, that was just, it's what she always wanted her daughter's name to be, Olivia. And uh, her middle name is Rosemary after my grandmother, who, you know, obviously helped me out when, when I needed it, when I was a baby and, and all that good stuff. Young and, you know, could have taken myself out of a crack house, and she did. So, uh, mad props to, to you. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah. <coughs> well, um, oh, sorry. Oh, last, last kid, Shane. Right? <laughs> oh, okay. Shane. Yeah, I forgot one. Shane, sorry. Yeah, uh, you're going to sleep on I the couch. I love him. He's my favorite. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so, so Shane is super cool. And honestly, I was like, I was named out, dude. Right? And he was he was not expected or anything. And uh, we we batted around with a lot of, like, biblical names and everything. Um, Isaiah was, was one that I, I really liked. But, you know, whatever. No one else could get on board with. Uh, and Shane, as stupid as, as as it sounds, I just uh, <laughs> no, no, not not the name Shane, right? I, I honestly think Shane is a dope name, but as stupid oh, as the gosh. story sounds, okay. They're just I got it from The Walking Dead, dude. You're gonna from, need. You're gonna need. That's it, show. right? Shane from The Walking Dead, right? Shane, oh, right? enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I just thought it was so tough. Like I wanted him to have a tough name, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I grew yeah. up as Jackie and dealing with all that, and then you know, poor Riley now. Uh, with this Inside Out movie, like Riley's more of a girl name than a boy name, so I wanted to make sure that whatever I named him, it was like a solid, tough boy name. And I don't see, no matter what happens with all the, you know, all the stuff going on in the world, Shane becoming a girl name. So it's twenty twenty one. Shane man. works, and his middle name is Jackson, right? Because Jackie, so Jack's son, Ty's son, kind of, kind of theme there. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So yeah, that's one, two, three, four. That's all the kids. Okay. Moving on. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. That was a. Uh, appreciate you. Christoph's going to get you shot by your wife. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Appreciate you. With those kind of questions, so, shit. So glad he asked the question. Man. I forgot a kid. I just, I'll give you a bigger shovel next time. I'm sorry. Thanks, bud. Thanks. Oh, man. Okay. That was pretty good. Thank you. All right. So, um,. Everybody that's going to be watching or listening, uh, so this podcast has always been for um, other people's story, right? Transformation stories, um, anybody that, to help us motivate you guys, the ones that are watching, and uh, to better your life. So if you got anything from this podcast, just share it with your friend, family, um, gym partner, whatever. Um and a route that we're going to be going with this one now and the reason why i wanted um ty to be on here and christoph over here that guy we'll get him in here soon. we'll get him in here soon and let him introduce himself he's got a big boy chair now so yeah yeah 
Yeah, he upgraded. Yeah. But <laughs> but uh, anyway, so the route we want to we want to go is we want to start hitting local businesses. I've had people from Philadelphia. I've had people from the Demo Crew, um, from Action Sledge, and uh, athletes from Action Sledge, and just I've had multiple people from that side of the United States on here. And I'm going to try to hit more locals, yeah. local businesses. I'm always I've always been for supporting local businesses, and uh, this is I feel like this is the best way that we as Craven Art Podcast can support our local businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, we can help them get their stories out there, why they started their business, why they, uh, what their business represents to them. Because, I mean, obviously, you're not going to just start a business just to start a business. You have a meaning to it, right? Some kind of passion behind it. Some yeah. kind of passion. Yeah, yeah right. So, uh, anyways, um, we're going to learn all that about these guys. Okay, we already, we already have a couple lined up, and I'm looking forward to bringing them on. And uh, you guys will meet them shortly hopefully um within the next couple weeks but uh and we're gonna try to get you weekly podcasts um we're gonna bring on christoph let him tell let him introduce himself he's gonna be our computer extraordinaire the whiz kid the whiz kid yeah yeah and uh yeah anyway so we're going to start with that's that's the direction we're going to start going with this um i'm still going to have demo crew members on here i'm still going to have um just i mean transformations and uh motivational individuals um but like i said if you got anything from this podcast like usual like it subscribe it share it with anybody and everybody um that'll help us grow uh so Share with, talk about it. If if something uh, gets brought up and like so, Ty's story, if uh, that kind of motivated you and how he grew up and what environment he grew up into, that and how it evolved into what he is now, as a hardworker motherfucker, out of prison, correctional officer, sergeant, family man, yeah. So, <clears throat> anyways, um, share it. If something is brought up in the conversation, mention it. Uh, we will be on YouTube. We will be on actually many platforms, Google Podcast, um, Spotify, you name it, we'll be on it. So, uh, anyways, do you have anything for the listeners, Ty? No, just uh, I'm super excited to be here, guys. Uh, Fior kind of told me the the route that he wanted to go with this with local business owners, and I think that's super cool, especially uh, <clears throat> with this COVID stuff going on. You know, it's really important to support your local community, you know, um, you know, we, we have a prison background, but, you know, your, your community is really like your family. So, uh, you know, instead of buying some some bullshit on Amazon, you know, if you, if you can go down the street and support someone who is uh, a hardworking motherfucker and, and getting after it and, you know, pursuing their life's passion, then, you know, give them your money. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so uh, I'm very excited to do this. I think what we got going is a, is a good thing. It's definitely good intentions. Um, and, yeah, we're... Yeah, we're going to rock and roll, man. Uh, so like this shit, share it, spread it, get it out there, and uh, yeah, stay up. All right. Christoph, you got anything? Mr. Uh, no Mike? Uh, no, not, not, not right this second. I'm just glad that you've, uh, you know, allowed me to come on to the podcast. We'll Mr. see. It might, might not be permanent. <laughs> He's still in. He's still in training, guys. I'm gonna apologize. Anyways, guys. So again, like, share, comment. If you think we can do better, let us know. 
I'm always down for some constructive criticism. Yes, hurt my feelings. Yes, hurt my feelings. It's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyways, love you guys. Keep working your ass off. Let's fucking motivate. Let's go. What he said. Christoph, that's your cue. Just you can end the podcast now. Hit the button, dude, Christoph. <laughs> Push the fucking button. Oh, Christoph. Did he fall asleep? Christoph. <laughs>